it went from, hey, do you think I can get, you think I can get money? I'm on on TV. You think I can get money as a speaker or somewhere? It went from, hey, Van, we want you to come. You Van, you're from TMZ. We want you to come do uh, 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 a club walkthrough at, in this town somewhere. We'll give you $2,500. It went from there to, hey, we'll fly you to speak on this thing and blah, 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 blah. First class across the country, $25,000. Welcome back to another episode of Deposits with Brooke England brought to you by the Revolt Podcast Network. And as you know, on Deposits, we talk about getting to that bag and the journey to it. My guest today, a voice of the culture, Academy Award winner, OG podcaster, entrepreneur, my dog, Van Lathan. Welcome to the show. Hey, Brooke. (laughs) Don't start. How are you? (laughs) What's going on? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Brooke, I'm very happy. First of all, I want to tell you guys that, like, <laughs> I'm proud of Brooke. I'm proud of Deposits. The podcast looks great. A lot of gems get dropped on this podcast. You know, you talked about doing this. You're doing it. You're going out there. You're using information, which is a big thing for me. You're using information to go out there and access your dreams. So I'm proud of you that you got this going on, and I'm happy to be here, Brooke. <laughs> I'm happy that you're here. Yeah. Uh, from people who don't know, uh, I used to produce a show at BET called I Went Viral. Mm-hmm. And it was where we feature people who went viral. And I tried to get Van on this show yeah. multiple times, but he was very busy and never was able to make it. That's not why I didn't do the show. Okay. Why you why you never came on my show? Because I didn't want to. Okay. <laughs> Okay. So I didn't want to come on the show because the show was, so the show was about a specific moment where you went viral. Yes. And I didn't really want to keep living in the moment where I went viral, but now I know I'm inextricably linked to that moment. So I should have come on the show, but at the time I didn't want to come on the show. Yeah. Okay. And I think you did say that. I told you. Yeah. You said that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, look, Brooke, you the homie. You don't have to act like I was busy. I was like, nah, I can't do it. I shouldn't do it. And you were very nice about that. No, I, when you said it, mm-hmm. well, I forgot about that part. Yeah. So I was like, he was busy. But yeah. when you just said it just now, I do remember you said that. And I did respect that. You did because, respect of it. course, why not? Because yeah. it was kind of more fresh around that time, I feel like. It, had, it hadn't been too long since it happened. And you were just tired of it. Still am. Still am. But... It's okay because it leads me to my message today. Okay. Before you get to that message. Right. For those of you who don't know, right? If you've been living under a rock, Van Lathan, he stood up for us, stood up for the culture, and stood up to Kanye West when he made ridiculous, yay, ridiculous remarks. We got to get that right. Right. We got to get that mark. Yeah. He he got on Chris Cuomo about that, right? Oh. So, yay. La, 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 la. Yay, right? Yeah. Uh, said said something very ridiculous yeah. that slavery was a choice. Right. And, you know, I rewatched that clip mm-hmm. and I don't know why I got emotional. I still feel the same passion, mm-hmm. you know, in that video, like you standing up to him. I could tell that it was just like a fast mo- moment. You were in it and yeah. you went for it. Yeah, yeah, I went for it. Uh, look. <laughs> and now you can't escape. It, it, the the guy came in there 
Let me tell you what it's really about. And I think people don't feel this way. And I don't know why they don't. Yeah. Let's say I'm somewhere, right? It's me, somebody else, and somebody else. And they say, Brooke is so fucking fake. I hate Brooke. Do you know what I'm going to say? Hey, it's my homie. Talk about Brooke that way. Because if I don't say that, I feel like I said it. You're in agreement, yeah. Yeah, so people think that I was doing it for the culture, and I was. Mm. But if you come there and you say that, and then I don't say anything, the whole situation goes from what you said to what I didn't say. And I'm never going to be in a situation anywhere where you're going to diss the ancestors and I'm not going to stand up because I'm not saying that. Yeah. It's too much of a big deal. And I think that we've seen recently some other people have some issues with being able to interject or being able to head off bad Ooh. ideas. Okay, I see where you're going. I'm just saying, not yeah. in a bad way. I'm just yeah. saying that's what people expect yeah. or they're going to start to wonder if you agree with these yeah. things. if you tiptoe around the issue. Which brings me to my next point, bro. Okay, what's your next point? I brought a present. <gasps> and it's a present that you can't have, but it's a present <laughs> for everyone. I'm taking these back with me. Okay. I ordered this backpack from Amazon. Actually, Kalika did. Let me look at this. How do I open this? Uh oh, up? what is Van up to? I want I want you guys to see what I brought. Because it's very important that you guys see all of this. This is our first surprise on the yeah. show. I want you guys to see. Are you ready for what's in here? We're ready. You ready? Behind the scenes, guys. <laughs> Y'all ready? Look at this. Books. 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 We love books. Do we, Brooke? Well, I read your book. Thank you. Before I get to my book. Okay. Let me talk about books for a second. Okay. Because I want to talk about what the podcast is about, but I want to make sure that people know something. Okay. These books, these are your friend. Okay? There's some dissension about whether or not books are your friend. Mm. And I hear a lot of ignorance mm. and a lot of stupid shit from niggas who are not reading. Yeah, and, the, and admit to not reading. The answers to these questions, Brooke, take away the R. Okay. And it's book. Okay. <laughs> the answers to these questions are in books. Let me ask you a question. Let's say you wanted to know. Someone says to you, they say, hey, how did white people benefit from American governmental programs? They always say that black people get all of this free money handed out from the mm -hmm. government. And well, assistance, how, yeah. Yeah, how did white people benefit from American handouts? Did they ever? Oh, when affirmative action was white, by Howard Katz Nelson. Talk about it. Let's say someone says, what's the difference between America and other countries that have dealt with racist subhuman movements? Frederick Taylor, Exercising Hitler. Mm. The book will explain it to you. There's more. What if you want to learn about how we can win? 
How We Can Win by Kimberly Jones. That's a book. What if you want to understand uh, how power works mm. and how power leans on the people? Understanding power. Noam Chomsky. I don't have to explain this book to anyone who knows what it's about. This is a wretched of the earth. But Franz Fanon, you guys, these are books. Read some shit for fun. Some of, it's fun. The new Jim Crow is a good The new one. Jim Crow. God damn it. Talk your shit, Brooke. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, guys, before we even get started talking to Brooke on her amazing platform, take some fucking responsibility and not just responsibility. Take some fucking pride in your brain. Thank you for those books. No, these books are, these are my no, books. No, but I'm, I'm no. I'm taking them No, I'm saying thank you for sharing them with yeah. the pod and sharing them with the audience because it's a reason that they want to ban information. Of course. And y'all sleep. Yeah. Now, there are places, there are places like FAMU. Well, I went to school, the best HBCU. That need more books. I went to Southern University. Yeah, I knew you was we, coming with your there's foolishness. A, there's a place like FAMU. Shout out to FAMU. I, I heard the FAMU. Southern cool too. I, fam, fam, I heard the FAMU's got some coloring books and some things that they give out to the kids. <laughs> FAMU is the best HBCU. I love You fam. guys have a, a, a decent fam. band, so I've heard. Our band is fucking over FAM's <laughs> band, man. That's a lot. You, Bree. Like That's our a band, lie. Like FAM band, FAM got a the big The Marching band. 100 fam is got what they're band. called. Okay, FAM got a big the human jukebox is what we're called, which is a better name. Fam got a good, uh, fam got a good, okay. fam got a good band, but we louder. We Did y'all prouder, perform with Obama? And we move better. No, that's all Brandon. By the way, that's not some shit that I would actually be bragging about. Did y'all perform with Obama? That's not some shit that Where, I would be bragging. Did bra- y'all get invited to the nomination? That's not some shit I would be bragging about right why now. Why not? Because I'll tell you why. Because at State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If Obama was like, he probably would have picked Southern, but... You a lie. Shout out to Obama. It's a Hawaii nigga. Shout out to my Hawaii niggas. <laughs> Don't do Obama. This <laughs> Child, I, love, I love President Obama. Okay, yeah. Uh, Van, you know, I have so many things to talk to you about, and That's I'm good. glad that you came riled up and ready to I'm go. Ready. Yeah. Because... Do you feel that people expect you to constantly speak on issues? Yeah. Uh, now, but that's okay. Like, that's my, that's my thing. Obviously, we know that recently Kanye West made some false statements about... He lied. Yeah, he lied. Yeah. Kanye West lied about George Floyd. Yeah. And you posted... Um, the expert that spoke during the trial. Sure. And I saw other blogs posted. Uh-huh. It's almost like people wait for you to speak on him when he does something crazy. Do you yeah. feel that people always want you to speak on him? Uh, I mean, yeah. I'm not the protagonist. I'm not the hero in the Kanye West story. 
And I'm not. Like, I'm not. I think people thought you were going to, and I am one of these people. Yeah. I think, like, when I saw the TMZ interaction, mm-hmm. I thought you were going to, like, be somebody in his life from then on that was, like, a voice of reason. Almost happened. Like, he actually said that to me one time. He said, uh, like, we were going back and forth in emails, and he said something like that. He said, I still have the emails. He goes, uh, this is a get-out moment. You'll be known as the one who flashed the light on Yay. Like, we were going back in emails. Um, but that's not like, uh, at a certain point, number one, like, we're all just people. We're all people making mistakes. Um, we're all people trying to do the best that we can. It's just that what we expect from one another is 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 grace, understanding, and uh, let me stop. Hold on for a second. Kanye West is fucking up. He's betraying people in a grand way. He's fucking up. There's no more grace to be extended. There's yeah. no more patience to be had. Um, he's a human being that makes mistakes. And there is a God in the sky that will have grace and work with him um, and have eternal grace for him. But as far as the people, whoever they may be, that are on the other end of the lies, the misinformation, the attacks, um, and the vitriol that he's spewing out now as informed by some of the most putrid thinkers that we have in society today, uh, it's just not to be tolerated. Yeah. It doesn't make me any different than anybody else to point that out. Millions of people point that out. I'm not lurking, waiting for Kanye West to, to fuck up. I think people are lurking for you think, to have a response. I think they might be, but I think, to me, I would love... Nothing more than to be able to have the same relationship with Kanye West's art, music, and personality than I did in 2006. Yeah. That would be fantastic. And I think like most people, we hold out hope that one day that guy will rematerialize. But I don't think he will. I think he's gone. I think he's doing exactly what he wanted to do. And now... The only question left is how many motherfuckers are going to be stupid enough to follow him? Yeah. So you moved to from Baton Rouge to L.A. after Katrina. Yeah. How long was it before you started working as a tour guide for TMZ? So I moved here in 2006. I got to uh, TMZ in in 2011. So everybody's on 42 now. Everybody talks about that's why I like I like listening to all the kids the young whippersnappers in their 20s talk about how broke they are, how much they're struggling, how they don't think it's ever going to happen. I'm like, I did not get to TMZ until I was 31. Mm. Like, I wasn't 31 until my career, quote unquote, started. I had done stuff before then. So what were you doing that, that, that five years that you were here? So I was doing a couple of things. Number one, when I first got here, I had a job at this place called Capricorn Programs. I was writing and producing for this, for this company. They made like smaller clip shows and stuff. So it was the type of thing that you could do one show completely by yourself. Okay. You could write it. You could edit it. You could, you could do the whole thing or produce it by yourself. 
So I was, it was a show called Cinema, Cinema, Cinema that I was doing. And then I was working on a different show called Cybernet that Dave um, and Mike were producing. So I did that for a little while. That company went under. And then for a couple of years, that was during the financial crisis, I was um, unemployed. And mm. so what I did then intentionally was use that time to become a much better writer because during that time, uh, you could keep filing an extension over and over and over again for your unemployment. And so I was just kind of figuring out the city and that phase in my life ended around the time that the TMZ tour started. Mm. So what was Van's life working as a TMZ tour guide? Because I know in your book, you emphasize how low the pay was. Well, so here's the thing. The pay was pretty low. I think it was like $8.75 an hour to be, a, to be a tour guide. But here's the thing, though. You made tips. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I saw you said that. Oh, my God. And so that, so me, Alex Getlin, and, and Keith Jordan were the first three tour guides. There was only one bus at first. So we had to fight for tours. Um, you, We spent so much time. They took it so seriously. We spent so much time drilling the information in the tour, learning everything about the stops, the rhythm of the tour, learning how to interact with the crowd, learning how to interact with the street, all of that stuff. And then you do all of this, you'd have so much fun, and then at the end, people would just come and give you money. So it was a performance, basically. Absolutely, it was a performance. and You couldn't be dry. You had to be... You had to be engaging. And I saw that you were writing jokes. So I was, I you were was doing like writing, a comedy stand-up. I, like, I took it... <laughs> once again, I took it... So fucking serious. I'm I'm competitive, so if I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna try to be my best at it, right? Uh, and over and after a while, um, my reputation on the tour bus made its way into the office, and that's how I ended up on the television show. So when you got to the television show, uh-huh. how much did the pay increase? Did your lifestyle change much, or not really? Nah, man, my lifestyle. I stayed in that same apartment. For till like 2018, like my I don't do shit with money. Like look at me now. Like I don't like I like I don't do shit. I don't have shit that I want like that. So I, the only thing that I want is stuff to help me do the stuff that I like. Yeah. So I'm doing pretty well right now. I still drive around in the trusty, dependable Honda Cross Tour because I love my little raggedy ass <laughs> car. So, I mean, I think my lifestyle changed in that I uh, I think I explored LA, LA's nightlife a little bit more. Yeah. And made some friends and that. But even all of that, the guys that I made, my friends, uh, Vic, Devrin, Milt, Sean, um, all of those guys, I met them on the basketball court. It really wasn't on no TMZ, clout, TV shit. It was... I, I met those guys playing basketball. Yeah. So everything for me, as much as people talk about LA and how hard it is, uh, everything for me has been very organic here. Yeah. yeah. That's cool because a lot of people come here with a dream. Um, and I know in your book you said, Fat, Crazy, and Tired is the title of the yeah. book. We kind of just like rolled into it. Uh-huh. But you moved here to work in film and television. Yeah. So... You were successful in that, uh-huh. but even a lot of people don't know that these 
entry level jobs in TV, you're still like struggling. Yeah, of course. You know what I'm saying? Like you still are probably eating off the dollar menu mm. until you really like get to like mid level, and that yeah. can take however long. It depends on how how hard you going and how hard you like. Yeah, it depends on a, a, yeah. a couple of different factors. Yeah. It depends on talent, how hard you're working, but it also depends on access and luck. Yeah. So a little bit. A little bit. Well, this is what I would say. I would yeah. say that to me, luck is about the ability to meet your moment. I'll give you an example. Like I can't remember there was one of these singers was discovered while she was singing at a gas station, right? What if you have a great voice, but you didn't put the work into your voice to be to have mastery over it over the course of years and years and years and years? What if you're off? What if you're off key? Yeah. When when the music producer is wherever they are. What if you don't? At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures in collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League. State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Sound good. What if you don't put the time into uh, your craft in order to, to, to be dope at it, right? Yeah. What if Kanye West walks in the room and says something crazy, but you haven't been showing up to the show, so you're not comfortable on camera? You haven't, yeah. you haven't, you haven't been putting that your all into it. Right. Like the most important thing about life is being ready, being ready for somebody the somebody would. I know somebody that will always say luck is a residue of skill. Yeah. And I really do believe that because the more energy you put into something, you are probably more than likely are going to manifest an opportunity where yeah. you can get to apply that. Yeah. And that is what you did, yeah. you know, in that moment where you saw someone that was larger than life mm -hmm. speaking and everyone else was scared to say something yeah. and you took that opportunity and basically your luck changed. For sure. So what was that like? I know you got like so many calls that day and days after, like what do you feel was the immediate change? Oh, in that your was, life? That, that was never, there still hasn't been anything like that. Like not the award, like nothing. There still hasn't been anything like that. That was, uh, that was um th that was like almost being like born again yeah that like how can i say this i want to make it seem like it's too big that's very oh, sorry god for saying that but that was like uh people were just oh my god and everybody wanted to know who you were yeah like every, every like, when I say everyone, yeah, the the status of some of the people who reached out yeah. and still reach out that I still know based upon that one thing was just nuts. You go from being a TMZ guy Thursday to being on uh, being in Time Magazine, yeah, to being on Good Morning America, yeah, to being to to like all all of that stuff. That was just a like a crazy. I want to know about those opportunities that came after that moment because you became like an instant influencer, basically. Mm -hmm. And I want to know, like, did bags come? Yeah. Like, yeah, they did. Okay. So it it 
it went from, hey, do you think I can get, you think I can get money? I'm on on TV. You think I can get money as a speaker or somewhere? It went from, hey, Van, we want you to come. You Van, you from TMZ? We want you to come do a a, a, a club walkthrough at, in this town somewhere. We'll give you twenty five hundred dollars. It went from there to, hey, we'll fly you to speak on this thing and blah 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 blah. First class across the country, twenty five thousand dollars. Wow! Like, and it like was that I, your first time flying first class? So I. I've flown first class before when a flight got canceled and I got upgraded. <laughs> but Karen, who's my manager, along with Arunde Garrett, Arunde is my day-to-day manager now. We Shout out to Arunde. We do most of this stuff. But Karen, at this time, Karen was like, because she was my manager before this, she was like, okay, so everything changes now. Mm. I was like, what? She was like, all right, so if we go out somewhere, they fly you first class. I'm like, oh, man, don't hit their pockets like that. She's like, Van, just relax. She's like, relax, relax. This is not that big of a deal. Right. So so I started, after that happened, I started working at TMZ through the week, and every weekend I was getting money somewhere. Yeah. I was, I was, I was. You Would you say your income doubled? Uh, nah, it didn't double, it tripled. Tripled, yeah. Yes. Well, number one, like it, well, hold on. I wouldn't say that it tripled because, how about this? Nah, it didn't triple because I think about at that point at TMZ. Let me let me backpedal. It at that point TMZ that was towards the end, so I was making a lot of money from them. So it didn't triple, but it went just the the passive. How can I put this? Like I was making a lot of money from them, but. I never was able, it wasn't the type, it was the type of money where I didn't have to worry about money, but it wasn't the type of money to where I was like, damn, look at how much money I have. Like you weren't rich, but did you have, did you have to start paying taxes instead of getting an income tax check? Yeah, I pay ta- I pay taxes today. Mm. I pay taxes today. Responsible. That shit hurts. Yeah. So yeah. at that point you started to, your lifestyle did change financially too because sure. you had to start taking on new responsibilities like okay now I have to pay the government because I'm getting paid I had to so I had to get a tax person I had to get a business manager person had to get the LLC shout out to LLC Twitter yeah. had to do all of the things that I learned by reading um, in order to make sure that financially there was a uh, there was a plan, the loopholes that you mentioned earlier, yeah, that like, they know about, yeah, all, all of that, <laughs> all of that stuff. It was like, hey, uh, how often do you go to the movies? And I just go to the movies for for fun every week. Every yeah. week we'll go to the movies, um, and and so it's something that me and Kalik would do no matter what. Like every week we we would go to the movies. And then um, the tax guy goes, okay, so we're going to write all, every time you go to a movie, we're going to write it off. Yeah. So I was like, why? It's like, you work in entertainment. Yeah. So yeah. like, when you see that, that's part of your job. Yeah. It's like, we're going to write off the cost of the ticket. I want you to keep in, keep track of the gas it takes to, for you to get from where you're going yeah. to there. Like, it's easier if you would Uber. Yeah. And, and all of that. So... We kind of start figuring out figuring out ways, but they still, they still get you for, hitting you across the head. Oh, 
So at this time, are people back in Baton Rouge thinking you're like super rich? Of course. I remember my <laughs> sister told me, my sister goes, uh, my sister goes, people don't believe that I'm your sister. I'm like, why? Because my sister at this point was working at a, um, I think at a call center or something like that. I can't remember. And they were like, well, why would you be working here if your brother was on TMZ? Oh. Niggas don't know. <laughs> TMZ pays you a good salary. Yeah. Like a good salary. Like a like I was making hundreds of thousands of dollars working for TMZ, right? Whatever. But it's not the type of thing where you can, you know, I don't play for the fucking Lakers. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like right. it's not the type of thing where I could take everybody out of it. Yeah. And shit, we still working to get there. Yeah. So like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I make now I make triple what I made at TMZ now. Yeah. Easily. But but yeah, I'm still it's still like a uh, like a like a tough thing so i think people attach visibility to income in a way that is very 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 rarely the actual story behind somebody's uh pockets you know did you have a lot of family members like or people that you knew like asking for money yeah yeah still to this day of course yeah and then how do you normally handle that kind of stuff either i give it to them or i don't respond okay like it, it, it's getting to the point cuz it's like either cuz you Cause like, I remember when I was a kid, I had the idea that my pops' pockets were never ending. Mm. He always had a little money on him. Yeah. So because he always had a little money on him, I feel like I gotta always ask for a little money. Right. And I remember when I got to be of a certain age, he said, "Hey, I just want to let you know something." He's like, "What?" He said, "A man don't take care of another man." Right. <laughs> I was like, "Huh?" He's like, no, I see you around here. You know, you didn't talk. You tall. You you doing your thing. You 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 turn into a man. But he's like, you're a man when I'm not taking care of you. A man doesn't take care of another man. And that's when I realized that my lifestyle was becoming expensive for him. I needed more money for more stuff. Yeah. I had a car. I needed money for gas. I yeah. wanted clothes now. I needed money for clothes. It wasn't just money to go to fast track and grab a hamburger no more. So it was becoming more. And now I. Sometimes I don't think people understand that about me. I think people think that there is this endless amount. Yeah, because it's <laughs> like it like you hit me up, yo, I need five hundred dollars. That's not a lot of money. Yeah. Right? It's not a lot of money to me. Yeah. But at the same time, it's five hundred bucks. If five people are asking yeah, for so, five hundred, so, so, so it like, adds that's, up. That's not a lot of money. Like I'm not gonna but it's like fuck. And and also that just doesn't feel good like as a person. Like, as a person, it doesn't always feel good to have people. I mean, at this point, I think I feel like my function is to provide for yeah, my family and friends. Yeah. yeah, so I think I don't have an issue with it. But it doesn't always feel good when people just hit you when they need something. To feel like an ATM. Yeah, it doesn't always feel good. It's the way that you have to feel. You the chosen one. Nah, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't always feel good, but... I think about when my father passed away and. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Um, 
you know, my dad dies. It's a Monday. I get to, or is it a Sunday? It's the 4th of July. It's a Monday or it's a, it's a, it's a Monday morning. Uh, I get to Baton Rouge the next day. I take a flight out the next day. I get to Baton Rouge. I'm there. I'm there in Baton Rouge two or three weeks. The funerals while I'm there. Um, and, you know, all told, it's $20,000. And you have to pay for it. Of course. But yeah. I think about the situation. What happens if I can't? Like, it's almost as if I said this on a, on a, during the interview that I had at the Black Excellence Brunch. Shout out to Trail and them. That's almost yeah, as shout if, out to Trail. It's almost as if my father was hanging on until uh, I was ready to send him home. Mm. You know what I mean? It's almost as if he was uh cuz he had, had he had been sick for a while. He didn't leave until it wouldn't be that big of a deal. And the money wasn't something that like really hurt, but at that point I felt like okay, this is my function in my family. Position. Yeah. 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 I mean, he- what they say heavy is the head that wears the crown. I know king though. Like, you I'm, are king. Nah, like, well, that's the position yeah. that you have come into to be this beacon of hope for your family and yeah. people that you know from Baton Rouge. Like, I know, is it safe to say that Baton Rouge is country? See, y'all, <laughs> I wouldn't say that it's country. I would say it's kind of country. I would say that it's... Because uh, I would say it's country. Have you been down there? No, because it's country. I've been to New Orleans. Okay, New Orleans is a city. You went to school in Tallahassee. You think Tallahassee's country? Very much so. Okay, if you think Tallahassee's country, Baton Rouge is not quite as country as Tallahassee. I'm pretty sure it's not. Yeah, it's not quite as country but, as Tallahassee. But, see, the thing is with Tallahassee. Baton Rouge is like niggas be living in the projects and the hood and yeah. shit in Baton Rouge. Tallahassee my too. My dad's from Maringouin. That's across the river. That's different. Um... Like, like amongst my friends, I was the only one that hunt, fished, and could rope and could do all of that stuff. There's some, there's some city boys, but it, it's country. City. How about this? We call New Orleans the city. Yeah. So the people from New Orleans call y'all country. They would definitely say that yeah. we was country. And that's what I've always heard about BR. Yeah. Country. Yeah. Tallahassee is very country, but uh-huh. Tallahassee is a college town. So you have everybody from these popping cities come into Tallahassee, mm-hmm. FAMU, Florida State. And if you couldn't get into those two schools, you went to TCC, Tallahassee Community TCC? College. Oh, yeah. So Baton Rouge <laughs> is exactly the same. You got LSU, Southern, and then if you can't get there, it's Baton Rouge Community College. So it was a college town, too. It's a college town yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that definitely helps it yeah. not be a regular country-type right. thing. But, okay, so fast forward, you're at TMZ, you're doing your thing, this Kanye thing happens, mm-hmm. your life changes, Right. now you are the Van Lathan, who right. is known for... Being intelligent, yeah. not only speaking his mind, but just like being very informative mm-hmm. and and knowing what you're talking about. You right. know what I'm saying? Like you mentioned earlier. Right. So then you leave TMZ, uh-huh. right? We don't even need to get into all Got that. Fired. That's okay. Right? Yeah. But you were leaving, uh-huh. right? And you write a book. Mm-hmm. Fat, crazy, and tired. Yeah. The Trenches of Transformation. Yeah. Did you feel that, I know like in the book you talk about your weight loss journey, you talk about mental health a lot, and obviously you talk about your plight in this industry. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like this book was 
therapeutic, getting all of that out because there was so many vulnerable moments. Yeah. No, nah, it wasn't therapeutic at all. It was uh, very, very difficult. And things changed during the book. You know, I lost dad during the book. Mm-hmm. We won an Academy Award during the book. The pandemic happened during the book. Yeah. And so it it was one it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. I don't ever go back to it. I never pick it up. Yeah. I never listen to it. I never do any of that. Shout out to Krishan Trotman. And oh, I actually love the audio book. Oh my oh, gosh. So right. I am so spoiled. Like when I get a book that I want to read, mm-hmm. I have to buy the audio book too to listen yeah. and read. Yeah. And audio books are great. Audio books count. So good. Uh, they're expensive. Yeah. Because I was like, I know they lie. Right. Not this $20 <laughs> for this book, and I already done paid for it. Right. The physical copy. I'm mad that I forgot it because I wanted you to sign it. So you still have to sign it. Okay. But um, I enjoyed your cadence, mm-hmm. and you were like, I was like, let me find out, uh, Vanna Actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it, it, the audio. See, the audio book was tough because. You write the stuff off. We had this uh, great editor, um, Leah, and I would write the stuff off and I would send it to Leah and it would it would come together. And then, but the audiobook was tough because you're reading all of this stuff and these aren't just, these are your memories. Mm. And so like you, when you read the book, it's like there's smells that you can smell and there are mm. people's faces that you can see and and when I was writing it, it wasn't that palpable. Even when I was thinking about my Auntie Teresa who passed on or my great-grandfather, Big Papa, or any of these people, or just even places that aren't there Your in Baton Uncle Rouge Marky? anymore. My Uncle Marky. You know, like, uh, and, like, I can still see him. And you, you're reading it when you're doing the audio book. Like, it just, it just, it would hit me. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, it was, it was tough. But that book was... Like I think it was a very important, um, it's a very important benchmark in my life to go from there to now. It's like, okay, what are the next forty years of your life going to be like? And if you had to write about those, what would that book be about? Yeah. So, are um, you going to write more books? Uh, I, I think so. Um, I think not for a while. Yeah, I think I want to. Um, I want to have some different life experiences, and the next one. I don't want to be. I don't want it to be so centered on me, mm. because uh, you have to believe that you have a hell of a story to think that people will want to read about it. So I think I want to explore the world a little bit more and figure out how I can write something um, that makes people's world a little bit easier to understand and process. Well, I understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I did see so many comments, even on Amazon, Mm -hmm. about just like how people felt that the book helped them and Mm -hmm. inspired them. So uh, I hear you, but Uh it definitely did impact people in a way. So let's talk about this Academy Award, okay? Because I talked to Cootie and Chike, friends of the show, Uh my longtime mentors also. I was so happy to have them. Amazing brothers amazing 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 i'm like always talking about them but so they were emmy nominated Uh and so we talked about that i had akon and we talked about him never receiving a grammy which is so akon has never won a grammy akon has never won a grammy and i had to bring it up to him because i was like when i was doing my research i was like i thought i was how many times has he been nominated i don't even know wow 
But he has been nominated, but he's never That's won. Nuts. That's nuts. So we had this whole conversation about awards not being important. Uh-huh. In your book, uh-huh. you say it is. It was for us. Yeah. Yeah. We, Trayvon Free, Martin Desmond Rowe. Two Distant Strangers. Two Distant Strangers is the name of the movie. You can watch it on Netflix right yeah. now still. Best live action short film at the Academy Awards 2021. Um, it was important to us. And it was important to us just because of what we risked. Yeah. Like what we put on the line. That I was just on the phone with Nick May, who when I was on my way up here, Nick mad at me again. But that's my brother. And that's his job to be on me. Nick produces not only movies. Nick will produce your life. If you're Van, why aren't you on the phone? Why aren't we in contact? We got a lot of stuff we need to do. Stay on top of it. So shout out to Nick. Um, but look, man, we was we was going insane. How much did y'all spend on that? It looks very good. And I know that from what you were talking about, oh, I saw another interview that you did on The Breakfast Club. Uh-huh. And you were like, Basically, it was kind of like impromptu, and you were like, "We need to do this now." Well, yeah. So we, so Trayvon has this amazing idea, and we're trying to think about when we're going to do it. I'm like, "Now nah, we got to do it now." Yeah, we have to do it now because the temperature, the temperature is right because there's not much stuff being shot because we have to contextualize this moment through art, and so because of that, we needed bread, and there's one place where you'll always know that you can get money, and that's from yourself. So the first two people to put money in on Two Distant Strangers were me and Trayvon. And we had to be able to do that to get our first week of shooting done, to get our first couple of days of shooting done. Um, That plus the fact that it was COVID. How many days of shooting was it? I think eight. Eight. So uh, that plus it was COVID plus. um, Because that was 2020. That was 2020. That Mm -hmm. that was like we started, I think, in September of 2020. It was a. it was that. It was COVID. It was, and it just came together so quick. Yeah, we got it. We got it shot. It was done. It was done being shot. We had to get a cut. And this whole time, we got to go to festivals. We got to try to get it uh, seen by this person. We have to have different screenings, and so it just which kept, also takes a lot of money. It takes, takes money, money to enter your uh, yeah. uh, content into yeah. festivals. Yeah. So how much? I need to know like how much all of this costs. It, it, I, 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 I don't think it would be appropriate for me to talk to give you a definite number about how much the movie ended up costing, but people talk about how good the movie looked. It looked so good. And it was... And I'm like... It was... It cost... I know production. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, how did they pull this off? Joey Badass was so good. Everybody was really good in the film. Zaria, Andrew Howard. And you guys shot that in New York? No, we shot it here. You shot it here? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, it looked really good. Uh-huh. Was it six figures? Yeah. Six figures? Yeah, for sure. How much of that do you think was, how much money did you guys spend on festivals? Uh, because that's where the buzz gets going, right? Well, remember now, the festival watch, we didn't get into Sundance. Mm. So we didn't get into Sundance. I think what we spent money on was... Once the movie comes out, right, and we we have to get it seen, so we have to have screenings, we have to get all of our famous friends together and get people to write blurbs and all of that. And then after that, you're in an Oscar race. 
Mm. Like you get shortlisted for the Oscars and it's like, okay, well, if you get shortlisted for the Academy Award, right? You submit for the Oscars. If you get shortlisted, that means you're one step away from getting nominated. And for a lot of people, a nomination is a win. Yeah, if you're, if it you're, is. If you're, it really is. If you're, it if, is. If you're Academy Award nominated. So then you got to go full steam ahead. So we wanted to do it right. So we got some guidance from some PR companies and then that starts to get expensive. Yeah. That starts to add more triple zeros to your to your uh to your production budget. And then y'all flying out to all these places. I go all these different places. I gotta have people that know how to get you on all of these different shows and all of this stuff. Um but thankfully at the end we still made money because oh, okay. Netflix bought it. Yeah. Yeah. So when Netflix came in and bought it, um What was that deal like? That was so if it's hundreds of thousands of dollars when you make it. Yeah. The next after hundreds of thousands of dollars would be millions. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> is Van a millionaire? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, like, wait, 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 wait. No, nobody, nobody made a million dollars off to this and strangers because there was there was a lot. We made money, right? But there were producers. Break and we it had down. To, we, yeah. had to, we had to break it down. Uh, I don't want to talk about how much money I have. No, you don't have to. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I, mean? uh, I would love when I love when people get into numbers, but right. this show is is definitely more about everything that goes into it because people yeah. see you guys and they think it happens overnight. They think it's like you just submit your award and then you win. It's yeah. like you have to do and pay yeah. for all of these things to get seen, rubbing to rub elbows, elbows yeah. you know, politic uh -huh. and be in these spaces so that people can consider you. Yeah. So, okay. So, okay. Academy award. Uh -huh. Why do you think awards are important? Well, I think awards are important not to validate the art, but to validate the effort. Yeah. So it's like it, it, you make something and you don't make it so that you can win something. You don't make it so that you can be recognized. But sometimes when someone's giving you a certain accolade, it is the culmination of the hard work of a lot of people. Yeah. And those designations matter to your future earning potential. Now, what I don't want people to do is to put all of their all of the validation for what they've made into uh, into whether or not they get awarded for it. Yeah. But it would be stupid to say that an award doesn't matter if that award can secure you future business opportunities, yeah. future collaborative opportunities, more money, more opportunities to make more stuff. Then of course they matter, right? Yeah. Like so, it, there's very few things where winning doesn't matter, but in art, it just can't be everything. You can't right. judge what's the best art, what's the better art, what art means the most to you by awards. But in terms of your career, in terms of your career as a creator in the film um, in the film industry, an Academy Award matters. And that's just the reality of the yeah. situation. Yeah. yeah. So did the price go up? Sure. So sure. I mean, first of all, <laughs> the price went up, but like a price was also set. And that means like there are a lot of places that you can't even get in the door unless people know that you can make good quality stuff. Yeah. Like Trayvon and Martin right now are on fire. 
because they were able to write and produce an Academy Award winning film. Yeah. Like between me, Nick, and Trayvon now, there are just the people that want to work with us and the things that we're doing now. Shout out to Lawrence Bender and Jesse Williams as a matter of, as, as well. Shout out to Jesse. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, I'm thinking about Jesse Collins. Oh, I thought, you, I thought okay. I thought maybe yeah. you had something you wanted to say to Jesse. Yeah. The cameras are right here. But I was, <laughs> but I was like, wait, they both light skin. I don't think they're doing that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, so when you want to have meetings, when you want people to talk to you, now they have a reason. Now that film has become the proof of concept that you can be a part of something uh, that people think is groundbreaking, game-changing, or at the height of what was made in that particular year. And it was so good because you you wanted to see more. Yeah. You know, when you think short film, sometimes you think just like 10 minutes. Yeah. But this was like 30 minutes. Yeah, 28. And it's like... I'm like, no. Yeah. I want I want this guy to have a different outcome. You, you know, I wanted home, yeah. yeah, I wanted to see him get home. And I just kind of like just wanted to see more. Cause I was yeah. like so invested in the story. I won't, yeah. you know, ruin it for you guys who haven't. Oh, by the way, seen I haven't it. I haven't mentioned Puff yet. Puff was with us on that too. Oh so, nice. Yeah, so Puff, Puff was very, very helpful. Um, he came in as a producer on it, so I have to shout out Puff on that as well. Since we are, we are, we're on Revolt, I can't not mention the fact that our brother jumped in and lended his cultural credibility and all of his weight and power to the film as well. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So I, I know in the, I saw in the book yeah. and heard you say yeah. that because you weren't there on the Academy stage, uh -huh. it kind of like took away from the wind. Do you still feel that way? No, I, what I meant to say is that there's going to be a day that I stand on the stage. Yeah. And we couldn't all go. It was COVID. I was so happy to see Trayvon. By the way, you know, they gave me my shout out on the Academy stage and that's worth a billion dollars. Of course. But, um, but I, uh, seeing Trayvon on the stage, knowing that what he went through, knowing the drafts that he went through, knowing how what he put into it, seeing him and Martin on the stage together, knowing what kind of relationship those guys have and and like what they uh what they sacrificed and all of our friends over at Dirty Robert, Mickey, everyone over there and what everybody sacrificed, it was good enough for all of us that they got to be there. We had our little Oscar Shindig. Shout out to Terrence J. Like he like Terrence J was there, Terrence J was a producer on it. Jesse was there. Everybody was there at our situation. They leave. They come back. Boom. It's like everyone is 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 just elated, you know. Rachel's there. Uh, my co-host from Higher Learning. Kalika is there. We're all together, um, and it was just it was just an, an amazing feeling. But one day, and you have to feel this way, right? One day you have to feel that um, you're going to make something else that pushes people even further and pushes your career even further. Yeah. And so that has to be the goal and that has to be the drive. So do I want to have like my own moment with something that's closer to my experience? And of course, but if I never do, we still won. Yeah. Do you feel that you made it or do you feel like you're just beginning? Uh, what a fantastic question. Um, I definitely don't feel like I've made it. Uh, even with an Academy Award, I don't think I'll ever make it because there there are so many things that 
The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with benefits like four times points that adapt to your top two eligible spending categories every month on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. And up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. I told myself I would be happy when they happened. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I've achieved all of them and none of them have made me happy. Mm. Your wants never stop. You never... you They increase. I, yeah, you never get to a point to where you go... And but do you think that's an internal internal thing or do you think that's like for everybody I or think, just for you? I think we've taught ourselves to prioritize the wrong things. I think the high moment doesn't come from what you can afford or the home that you have or the space in your career that you have. The breathe out moment comes from actually the ability to breathe out. It comes from actually being in a space that's peaceful. It comes from actually being having homeostasis between your work life, your career, your family, and other things. Um, and I just don't think that we prioritize peace enough. Yeah, I think that we prioritize getting things that we think will make things easier. But the real thing that will make things easier is being gentle on yourself and the people that are around you. And being gentle on yourself sometimes means... Like, man, I have a whole wellness regimen. Mm -hmm. A specific time I wake up, a specific time I look at the sun, a specific time I look at the sunset, just trying to be peaceful inside of my body and feel good and be able to do good. Uh, I think that's probably more meaningful than um, than anything financial. But at the same time, you know, I watched the show Yellowstone. I miss my dad. <laughs> I think I want yeah. some horses. Mm. You can't piece no horse. You got to go buy the horse. Horse, any decent horse, gonna cost you ten, fifteen thousand dollars. So they have horses in LA, so you can easily... Yeah, but I wanna be able to have a horse on my land like I did <laughs> when I was a boy. So we have Van, the writer, yeah, Academy Award winner, sure, podcaster. Yeah. What else do you got coming up? Because I know you got a show coming up. Is there hip hop homicides? I can tell you that the show is about the epidemic of rappers being killed in hip hop. Produced by 50, skin, 50 Cent, 50 Cent, 50 Cent, Mo Scott <laughs> Young, uh, Lionsgate, great partner on that, WeTV, great partner on that, all on All Black Digital. Shout out to P. Frank, shout out to um, Donnell, shout out to everybody that made the show with us, Shelby, um, Kamari. But like it, it, the show is really about the common threads and some of the most tragic stories in the history of hip hop. And I think people are going to sort of understand a little bit more why we keep losing these brothers and sisters to violence even after they've started rapping. Yeah. So are you, you're hosting it. I'm the host, yeah. Is it like a, how, how is the setup? It's like a docu-series. So we go city to city. Okay. LA, Chicago, South Florida, we went to New York uh, twice. Um, so each episode was, yeah. okay. Do you, is it like narration too that you do or is it mm -hmm. just? Hosting, narrating, conducting interviews. I love that. It's Did you enjoy working on it? It's hard work, but I liked it. It was, uh, you know, a lot of travel, going back and forth to places. Um, 
a lot of difficult topics, you mm-hmm. know. I think we did eight rappers. I sat down with eight mothers that shed tears, mm-hmm. all of them. Um, so it's tough. It's not easy to do. But I really do think that the show has real value in terms yeah. of like going into that world and examining and identifying some of the dysfunction that leads to some of these bad outcomes. Is there anything from the show that you felt like changed you or affected you in a great way? Yeah. So there was a kid named FBG Cash. I call him a kid. He was in his late 20s, early 30s, I think. And um, we were there interviewing FBG Duck. Excuse me. We were there talking about FBG Duck. Um, Met Mama Duck and everyone in Chicago. There's a vicious war going on between... Uh, two sets, Tukaville and uh, the set of BDs over on uh, the set of BDs over on O Block and the set of GDs over in Tukaville, like very close to each other in the South Side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. So, um, we FBG Duck passed away, unfortunately. Very, uh, we were there to do his case. Very talented young man, killed broad daylight in Chicago, and we interviewed his crew, Flyboy Gang. And one of those guys was FBG Cash. So uh interviewed FBG Cash. After the interview, he hits me. And he wants me to put, put me in touch with a lady named Drea O, who is a fantastic journalist who's covering all of the things that are going on in Chicago and a lot of other stuff that's going on in hip-hop. So me and him get to talking. He's cool, man. He's like, yo, I'm going to come out to L.A., like, blah, blah, blah. We're going to do the videos, all of this stuff. And like, me and him are talking. He's a cool kid. Uh, before his episode of the show even got to come out, he was murdered. Mm. And did you guys have to go back and change, like update it? We just had to mention it and talk about it, you know, on the show. And this was somebody that I had grown to like. Yeah. It's cool. Cool guy. Nice guy. Like all of the people that I met down in Chicago were cool and nice, no matter what their reputations were. No, no matter what people were saying about them or what law enforcement or other people were saying about them. Uh, a city full of humble kings and queens, Chicago is, in my opinion. And I, uh, it's real. Yeah, It's not a situation. It's not, it doesn't exist on the internet. These lives that get taken, like, it, they don't exist on Twitter. They don't exist on records they exist in real life they really live and then they really die it's real yeah. he died yeah it wasn't like a like what's happening there we talk about it as if like we're on sports center giving a recap of a football game or a basketball game but that's somebody who i met and who i talked to who lived in a certain situation um, who was a part of the back and forth dissing that goes on in the drill rap yeah. community, but then he's dead forever. Like, never coming back. Yeah. So, uh, that right there was a reminder that, a very sober reminder that hip hop homicides has a specific narrative and a specific power. And that power is in something that is just destroying communities all over the country. So before you leave, 
you have been someone who has had multiple contracts and things like that. Yeah. And I know like you have helped me. What are some things that, or what is one good tidbit that you can leave us with about when we're in the contract stage? Oh, it's mm. a really good question. Um, every single negotiation with everyone should have a point. And that point should be based upon your station in life at the time that you're doing the negotiation. Sometimes the negotiation is about stability. You want something stable. Maybe you got a mortgage. Sometimes it's time to cash out. You've done a lot of great work for them, whoever these people are, and now it's time for them to pay you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's about getting the chance. Then you've been nibbling with them. Now you want them to take a little bit of a bigger bite. Mm -hmm. You have to be self-aware enough to negotiate properly because you have to know not only what it is that you need, but how much they value you. Yeah. And that value isn't set by what the internet thinks. That value isn't set by what your family thinks. That value isn't even set by what somebody else got. The most important thing about negotiating anything is knowing how to set your value, not your worth. Every single human being is priceless. Your talent is priceless. Your worth and your value are two completely different things. Mm. When people say know your worth, that means to me, don't take no shit from nobody. Yeah. Like your value is a number. Mm -hmm. Your value is like, yo, if I've been kicking ass my entire rookie contract, you have to now give me, if we're talking about sports, you now have to give me a five-year extension worth this much money. That's how much I'm, that's that's my value. Yeah. That's like what it is. And I think sometimes, especially with the uh, with the kids coming up, they're confusing worth and value a little bit. They know that they're super talented. And so what they want is for these platforms and these different people to understand they're super talented, roll out the red carpet, and make them financially free. They're not going to do that until your worth has turned into value for them. Mm. So my thing at TMZ when I was there was that I was never going to be a guy that was boxed in by the office. I was going to have all the relationships. I was going to make myself a big thing on the show. I was going to make myself something to where if I had to leave there, they knew it was worth the cost to keep me there. Yeah. After the Kanye thing happened, I priced out of TMZ. Mm -hmm. There was no way that they were going to be able to pay me what it was worth, like what I would be making now with all the other stuff that I could do. And we all understood that, right? And so I wasn't coming back. But what I'm saying is like when you go into the negotiation, like go into it as dispassionately as you can. Don't get your feelings hurt. Don't in any way, don't expect that someone sees that one special thing in you that nobody else sees. Mm -hmm. These companies aren't your mentors. They're your financial partners. Your mentor was the one that looked at you and said, hey, damn, you're going somewhere. Mm -hmm. The people that are on the other end of that contract, that's not what they do. It's their job to look at you and go, how can we make money off of this person? And how can we make money off of this person while giving them 
the least amount of money that we possibly can. Yeah. They don't want to pay you a dollar over what they have to pay you. So what you want to be able to do is show them why they have to pay you a lot. But if they don't, you have to realize that either you go somewhere else and get it or you keep working until your value is what you think it should be. But I see too many times right now people going, this this, this is how much I worked. This is how much I've done. This, this offer is insulting. And I tell them all the time, I go, if you leave tomorrow, could they get the same thing or proximity of the same thing? Is it worth it for them to train somebody else? Or have you made yourself indispensable enough to whatever brand is on the other side of your contract to where they feel like they don't, they, they can't lose you. And if not, then you got a little bit more work to do, but morality has never made anybody pay anyone. Yeah. And that's just the facts. Wow. That's going to be a clip by itself. Okay. <laughs> that was so good, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Right. I, you know, I've been trying to get you, and yeah. I'm so glad that you came. And we're twins. We're twins. We're twins. Before I leave again, <laughs> Kimberly Latrice Jones, James Baldwin. Listen. Ira Katz Nelson. Get the books. Okay. Camille Joseph. You don't have to get these books. Okay. Is which, which camera is it? Is this one? You don't have to get these books. But you do need some. Mm. Even if you listen to them. Books. 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 That's the takeaway. Books. Thank you guys for tuning in. And thank you, Van, for coming through. No problem. Thanks. Always. Take your business further with the American Express Business Gold Card. Now smarter and more flexible. It's packed with enhanced benefits that are built for your business. All with the powerful backing of Amex. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.